I'm Phil Cardoso, Associate Professor at the University of Illinois, and I have Dr. Borman with me today, and she's going to talk about her paper, an invited review on quantifying protein mobilization in dairy cows during the transition period. Hi, Jackie. Hi. Thank you for the introduction. I'm Dr. Jackie Borman. I'm an assistant professor at Purdue University. And um, we did an invited review about protein mobilization, but it started off with an idea that I that we had during my PhD program when I was at Michigan State. Um, we were feeding some different diets to cows and causing milk fat depression, and then trying to quantify that change in, in body fat, actually, through uh, diets that would cause milk fat depression. So from that, we used some of the tools that are discussed in this paper. Um, so it got me thinking about some tools that if we can measure body fat, we can also measure potentially protein abundance in an animal. And then um, can we look at change in the periods of time where change would occur is probably around calving. So we started doing a couple of research trials related to that and looking in the literature about different ways that we could quantify protein mobilization. So then, so you get to that uh, point, and I think it's very interesting because, uh, you know, throughout the transition period, we know there's going to be that deficit in negative in energy that we talk about, negative energy balance. However, that negative protein balance is something happening as well. And I think the NRC versus other authors like, you mentioned in your review, uh, Bell, talking about, hey, there's this increased requirement for these fetuses, especially in this third last uh, period of gestation. Yeah, colostrogenesis and mammogenesis requires quite a bit of metabolizable protein as well. So I, I think that from some of the work that's been done by others, they were seeing some protein mobilization that was occurring prior to calving. So even though we think of that dry cow as, we've been feeding more and more metabolizable protein to that dry cow. But even with diets that have more metabolizable protein, they still may be at a deficit because of the requirements for the fetus, because of requirements for growth and for mammogenesis and colostrogenesis. So there still may be a period of time where because they're eating less as they approach calving, and because of increased requirements, they could still be at a deficit prior to calving, leading them to mobilize some uh, protein. Yeah, and, and I think that's, uh, when I read the review, I think it was very interesting, not just the new approach that you're talking about, but the whole review of the topic and mentioning all these requirements and talking about, you know, the different uh, amino acid profile in milk and in, uh, in the carcass or pretty much the body weight of the constitution of the cow and how that may be limiting after calving that uh, lower intake of uh, protein. So, uh, so, so how did you get into figure out that a ultrasound could give you a good idea of that? Yeah, a lot of um, the work that's been done with ultrasounds has been done in other livestock species like beef cattle or swine. So that's routinely used to measure things like ribeye area. Um, and from some of the beef work that had been done, they were able to correlate that measurement, which is the, the same location that we're measuring at, it's the 12th intercostal space, 
So it's that same location is ribeye area and then they slaughter the animals. So they have a really good correlation between ribeye area muscle depth and whole body muscle depth. And just talking with some of the beef uh, nutritionists and management people on campus, we, we understood more about the possibility of using ultrasound to look at muscle mobilization. And some swine people are doing something very similar, looking at muscle mobilization um, at the onset of lactation to understand how much muscle is being mobilized through lactation. So I think there's a lot of things that we can learn on the dairy side from other species. When you do that throughout the transition period, right? So you have uh, pre-fresh pre or dry cows, and then you have lactating cows. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you figure out, or do you have an opinion on where that uh, distance or how much they should have, how much depth they should have? Because you mentioned something in the paper that, hey, if they have more muscle depth, they're going to be using more. Yeah, there are some uh, papers out there that have published that, that animals that have more muscle depth in that dry period mobilize more muscle. We've spent We've seen some of the same things on some research trials that we've done here at Purdue, um, but the optimal level, I don't really know, but we know that if they're able to mobilize, um, in some of these instances, they're saying that cows are mobilizing in excess of 20 kilos of protein. So if they're able to mobilize that much and that there's variation depending on how much muscle depth they may have, I think we have we have to understand if there is an optimal as in regards to does it improve health if they're mobilizing less or is it just providing amino acids that can be used by the body and then maybe it's a good thing because some amino acids could be used for energy sources. So I don't think we know that yet, um, but some other research that has done infusions of amino acids see that in early lactation, those infusions of amino acids with a similar profile to milk, like a casein infusion, will just end up in more milk production and more milk protein reduction. So I, I think we still have a lot to learn as far as what would happen in this transition cow if we are supplying more amino acids, um, like would it lead to better health outcomes? And it probably is very dependent on the individual amino acid. Yeah, and I, you know, when I was reading, I said, well, you know, we just finished a trial with transition cows and amino acids. Uh, and I said, well, I just missed the ball. I could have done this ultrasound. You know, you always think about one more thing that you could have your student working on, right? And I said, well, at some point it also gets too much, but uh, it would be interesting to have all that data. Uh, and it doesn't seem very complicated to do right if you have the ultrasound uh, and then you just get the image and then that's your number right yeah so the ultrasound part is is pretty simple we do pair that with some blood metabolite work as well so looking at some blood metabolites like creatinine and like 3-methylhistidine so we can understand uh, protein turnover in the body and the total amount of protein that's there so I think pairing those two together gives us a more complete story of what's happening. I think an ultrasound isn't going to be um, able to quantify, like this is exactly how much protein that animal has in the whole body, 
but it gives you an indication of change. So is this animal gaining protein or losing protein? Yeah, I know in the paper you show a picture or, you know, a figure with two images where, you know, we have a, a distance or a depth of, of 363 centimeters. The other one is 4.30. So is that usually the variation that you got? What we're finding is um, those cows that have the most muscle depth. And I will say that I can't visually tell by looking at a cow if they're going to have a lot of muscle depth or not. So it's not related to body condition necessarily. So it, it seems to be independent in some ways from body condition. But um, those animals that had the most muscle depth were a little over six centimeters. And those animals that had the lowest muscle depth, they never really get below two centimeters. So that's the kind of variation we're talking about. Um, and we had individual cows, which I think there's quite a bit of variation as far as how much an individual cow will change. But we had individual cows mobilized in excess of 50% of, of their muscle depth. So from before calving, so maybe a month before calving until 60 days in milk. So it was a considerable amount. That's not every cow, but we do see a lot of variation. Some cows actually gain muscle depth in that same time frame. So there's a lot that we still don't understand about muscle mobilization. Wow, that's interesting. And that sort of data is going to come from your lab in the future or the near future? For example, all this blood metabolites associated with the changes and also with some production parameters? Yeah, we have a couple of papers that should be coming out relatively soon about, uh, about tissue mobilization and the different measurements we've done over time. So it should be coming out soon. That's cool. Anything else that you want to mentioned that I didn't ask you and I should have asked you? No, I think that the one thing I did want to mention that I don't know that it was made quite clear is during the transition from a dry cow to a lactating cow, um, something that we kind of overlook, we think about the, the requirements for the mammary gland, but we often overlook the requirements for the gastrointestinal tract. But throughout that period, there's quite a bit of change that's occurring. There's quite a bit of growth. And we know that cell turnover is going to require quite a bit of metabolizable protein. So I think that's another area that we could work on to try to understand those specific requirements for gastrointestinal tract growth and development through that transition period in order to optimize health as they become a lactating cow. That's very interesting. Do you have an idea how you're going to tackle that already? <laughs> no, I. <laughs> no, maybe we should talk about what. <laughs> Thank you very much. I think you were very generous of your time to talk about this awesome paper. I suggest everybody to take a look at it. And we're going to be having this link here for you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.